We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, hello there. It's Lot Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. It's Thursday. We're close to the weekend. And, um, well, some more interesting news came out today. So I figured, why not just do this all, get them, so I'm not doing this Friday. Although I'll probably retweet it on Friday as well, but... Well... It's official today that Max Brown is out for the season, which kind of sucks. Well, it actually just sucks in general. It sucks for Max. It sucks for the team. And it sucks for uh, Pitt fans everywhere. And, you know, initially I didn't feel bad when Max lost his starting job because... It's one of those things where you're a fifth year, fifth or fourth year player, and you gotta have it or you don't. And at that time, he didn't have it, so I, you know, he wasn't executing. He just wasn't getting it still, and you know, he lost his job. And so, for there, I didn't really feel bad for him. But he seemed to get his mojo back against Rice. Syracuse, up until his injury, he looked a lot better. He looked a lot more confident. He had more command. And uh, unfortunately, he just got hurt. You know, it, it seemed that when, when a pass rush came with him, he knew exactly, wasn't it wasn't like a deer in the headlights. He knew what he had to do. He had to step up, make a throw. And, uh, you know, his pocket presence seemed, seemed a, little, a little better. You know, he knew when he had to, you know, move, you know, move around. I mean, he wasn't the most mobile guy on the planet but uh, he was making it work at that you know up until his injury so it's a, and it sucks because on top of having really no running game because we just can't you know the line, offensive line has been good and when it you know when it looks like it has a decent hold our backs just can't hit the hole like they should. I mean, it takes Jordan uh, Whitehead to be put in the game to actually get off, get a rushing touchdown. Although, you know, Quadrolson at the end had a nice run. But now we're working out Phil Campbell on that unit. So, what's next for the quarterbacks? Well, we got Kenny Pickett and we got Ben DiNucci. Danucci has shown some flashes. I mean, he's very mobile. Is it the answer? Probably not. You know, he made some throws. I mean, he there's some throws that could have been picked off. And he yeah, he has thrown some some p- bad picks. 
And then, of course, you have Kenny Pickett, who made, you know, his first throw was a, was a completion at the end of the game. And you hate to have him thrust into this, but he's in it now. And then you got Tom McVitie, who's just stationary. He's nowhere. So you wonder what goes through his head, or he's just, you know, or he's just going to be patient and wait out, you know, wait out the process. You know, don't, don't you know jump to conclusions but Pitt's going to have to see what they have out of these two and I mean this is like the 2007 season where Bell Stahl goes down the defense starts developing as you saw I mean it started, it started to take hold especially that offensive that defensive line at the, at the time I remember that Michigan State game where Pitt literally you saw a difference from 2006 and 2007. 2006, that defensive line got pushed around by Michigan State. The next year, Pitt's defensive line dominated. So there was a huge difference there. Plus, Buddy Morris was there as well. They had him back. So he had. So they had, he had those players, you know, carrying telephone poles all over the place, and they were just strong. Pitt had a quarterback in that game. Well, they would have won it. Heck, if they would have had a bunch, if they'd have had several, you know, if they would have had a quarterback in a lot of those games, they would have won. But yeah, I mean, we had to choose between Pat Boston and Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith had a nice arm. He just couldn't read defenses. I mean, he was a poor man's Anthony Morelli. Bostic was a little better. He just uh, arm strength was pretty meh, and uh, his mobility was even worse could barely move but I mean he at times Bostic got the job done I mean there were some instances where he made some nice throws you hoped he got rid of that got rid of that hitch in his arm and things would be better but it never you know transpired you know once 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 one step was gone Todd Graham came in he just decided to move on with life's work but um yeah, we're looking at the same predicament here almost. Instead, we got yeah, we got two we got two you know two young quarterbacks to choose from. And ben Denucci, we know where we, we, we see with him. Can he pick it? Who knows? On top of that, we really don't have much of a running game. So at least for the 2017, we had Lashawn McCoy. Where if we didn't have a quarterback, we could just have McCoy take direct snaps in the Wildcat and let him run around like crazy. This offense, we ain't got anything. Nothing at all. I mean, nothing to show for it. I mean, sure, we got Jester Wea, Lopez, those guys, and receiver, and Quadri Henderson. But it's irrelevant, well, when you don't have a quarterback that can give you, get you the ball. And two, when your receivers aren't performing when you need to. I mean, Lopez is our, our top. I mean, he's been our most consistent guy. I mean, I expect the big things in our Wea, but he's he's let the offense down. And Quadri Henderson's pretty much been a, uh, other than a punt return, has pretty much been a, a ghost.
So, very disappointing. Defensively, it's taking a hold. Dane Jackson's getting some, uh, he's getting a lot of love, which is good. I mean, the front seven's been a big surprise. I mean, the defensive line I wasn't too concerned about because they've been good for the last several years. Linebackers are always concerned, but they've seen me playing a lot better. We're getting better linebacker playing. Which uh, leads us to our next topic, the NC State game. NC State is 4-1 right now. I mean, they're in the top 25. Dave Doran, obviously, there was a lot of talk about him. You know, maybe he'd be on his way out the door. I know he got rid of Jim Huber, who was their defensive coordinator. I mean, he was he was the corner of Pitt for that one year under Paul Chris. That first year under Paul Chris, I'm sorry. But things have turned out better for them. And they're playing better. But if you look at that team, their makeup of that team... They got a lot of uh, lot of senior leadership. I mean, on both sides, offensive and defensive lines, a lot of seniors. Their front seven on defense is all is practically all seniors, at least according to their depth chart. So these guys have been playing together for some time. So he's got. They just have a lot of experience, and you know, obviously, if you look some of some of their stats. You know, they're one of the top defenses in the, in the country. You know, one of the top defenses in the country. Rushing, rushing defense are in the top 10. And it makes sense because their front seven is all senior, practically all seniors. And they have been, they've developed, they're, they're doing, they're playing really good football. Passing game, passing defense, they're near the bottom. They're, they allow yards passing, but you got to figure they just played uh, Lamar Jackson and you know Syrac- in Syracuse as well. Lamar Jackson, Louisville, and Syracuse. You know, Syracuse loves to throw the ball, as we all know and witnessed. And Lamar Jackson, you know, he's a Heisman, former Heisman, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. But uh, that secondary doesn't have a lot of experience. And obviously the key for Pitt would be to throw the football. But it doesn't help when you have who you have under center. And it's not to say that Kenny Pickett's horrible. He just he, he's, he, he, was, he was supposed to be red-shirted. And uh, we burned his red shirt for one pass. So... We don't know much about him. I guess we may learn something this week if uh, Ben DiNucci plays for horrifically bad. I mean, if anything for DiNucci, this is an audition for him. This is the show. I mean, he's pretty much given the keys of the offense now. It's now up to him what he can do. I mean, this is it. And if he can't do it, then, well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, pull the clipboard and get your college degree. Or transfer somewhere else where you'll get playing time. 
But obviously the key for this game would have been for Pitt to uh, throw the ball. Obviously, but one thing, one thing to uh, realize is that NC State's uh, red zone offense isn't all that good. At least according to what Athlon told me. And of course also, NC State's coming off a big win, so letdowns are possible. Which is, you know, which is true. Anything can happen. You know, I mean, they're riding a big wave. And Pitt's not, a, and Pitt's, I mean, Pitt's not really that good of a team. So maybe NC State will, uh, you know, ghost walk through this one. And maybe Pitt will have a chance, but it's not really looking good. Obviously, a key for Pitt would be to um, is obviously you know you know the offense throwing the ball, which I've which I've said several times already. Defensively, Pitt's going to have to wreak havoc with their front with their front seven. Their their, their corners are going to be tested again, as always, because the quarterback he's thrown ten touchdowns and zero picks this year. He's having a really good year this year, so Pitt's going to have to get Pitt's going to have to have him have a bad game. That's Pitt's only really realistic chance of winning this. Is their defense is going to have to make him have a really bad game, make him ghost walk, because that's the only you know that's the only way they're going to get through this. And NC State's floor one. I mean. They could challenge uh, Clemson this year. That's what a lot of people are saying, but anything can happen. It's still it's still early in the season yet. And stuff can still unfold. I mean, these they're four and one, sure, or five and one. But look back to when Pitt was uh, six and one in two thousand six. They were they were crushing teams. I mean, their only loss was that Michigan State game, but the, all their games, they just they crushed their opponents. And, you know. Then the uh, me of the schedule came up and everything unfolded. They lost five straight. You know, they um, they were 6-1 and one and they played Rutgers and Rutgers uh, had a big year that year. And Pitt, you know, it was a close game, and then Pitt pulled within three points, and then of course Ray Rice pulled off that big run, and that, that deflated Pitt, and that was that. Pitt would drop, and then uh, the, the next, I think the next game was South Florida. Mac Rothy comes out of his shell, and they dropped that game. The game they should have won that was winnable. The rest of that schedule was UConn, and they and they had a fourteen point lead, and for some reason Matt Cavanaugh felt uh, inclined to run LaRod Stevens up the middle several times and UConn would eventually come back force overtime because Pitt's defense couldn't stop him and then overtime came and UConn would score and get the two point conversion because Pitt's not offense was gassed, I mean not offense, defense was gassed I'll never understand why we lost that game. I remember that game had me 
That was one of those many games under the early Wanstead era where I was really pissed off because one of the worst things you can you can do after a pit game or had to do was go to the message board and face the music. You had to go face your other message board posters. And of course, you had the trolls from other message boards making fun of you, laughing at you. That's when all the banning came out. Now we just have Twitter, where now you log in and you have to see things. I mean, I used to follow a bunch of my rival. I, I, used to, I followed a bunch of people from rival schools, and I ended up unfollowing a lot of them because I just got tired of it. Usually I have thick skin, but I think after after several times, I just got sick of it. I mean, they weren't tweeting directly anything at me. You know, they would just show up in the comments. But yeah, that was the worst part was always the, the message board meltdowns. I mean, that was a big thing back then. You know, it wasn't so much Twitter, going on Twitter... But it was always going on the message boards of those other schools and then just look, <laughs> going through the meltdowns. And what was great was the bigger the school, the bigger the meltdown. That was the best. Like Penn State would always have the biggest meltdowns. And I think my favorite one was the, was the Michigan game of 2005. They had that game... It, they thought they had a game wrapped up and that the, the Michigan hex was over. And then all of a sudden, you just saw Chad Henney drive Michigan down and, and they get that extra two seconds back. And with that extra, with that extra two seconds, Chad Henney finds, um, you know, Chad Henney was a recruit that the PA kid who Penn State thought they had, and he just chose them. He just, I don't know, or chose Michigan. He throws a touchdown to Braylon Edwards, I believe. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Mario Manningham. I forgot. Hey, the Manningham, it was called. On a slant, he threw it. Touchdown. And then I remember first thing I did was I ran to my computer to, just to go see what the what everybody was saying. And it was just a colossal meltdown. Penn State fans cursing and their subjects. What They wanted the Big Ten, this and that. And of course, after every Penn State loss, they always have to research the officials, where they're from, and of course, later that week, you would you would get a profile of each official that roughed that game, and they would post the ref they would post the officials' personal information, so you would know where that ref where that official lived, you know, what state he, he was uh, you know, from, and they would have where he lived, the picture of his house, and where he worked. That's how creepy Penn State message boards were and probably still are to this day. Yeah, when they when they lose, they you know, if you're an official, God God help you. They'll they'll figure they'll figure you out. I mean, look what happened to the guy who um, last year dug up those um, Joe he didn't dig them up. He made those Joe New shirts. They had his personal information not too long after that. They knew exactly who he was. And part of that, I think, you can't, you know, 
part of that was on him. If you're going to post, if you're on a blog and it's going to be registered in your name and things like that, you got, I mean, you got to do better. But, but to be fair to him, he didn't, he didn't go into that realizing that they were going to pull up his personal information and other things like that and send him, you know, threaten him. You know, we have this, we play this kind of gag. You're not going to think somebody's going to do that. But some people are. I mean, some people are that petty. They do things like that. You know, that's a, it's a shame, but it's just the reality of the electronic world you live in. I think that's probably why I stay anonymous for, as Vlad Harris as it is. I just don't feel like having people dig up shit on me. You know. But um, getting back to subject... You know, as far as, you know, it's hard to say with the season, you know, how season went full for NC State. You know, you know, a lot of people wanted Doran out. Well, NC State people did. Now, all of a sudden, he's a, a darling, and anything can happen when the season unfolds. You know, like I said, I thought Pitt should just, you know, if they're going to take the season, start getting all these younger guys more reps and, you know, work out the personnel and see if it works. But, uh... And who knows? Pitt may make a bowl game still, but I'm not. Opt- I'm not optimistic about it. I'd rather just see what works. If they just can see what works for the you know, for the future of this program. And now one Twitter person responded that Dave didn't set the tone. He had three straight losing seasons. Very true, but that third season, that's when the that's when the talent started to develop. Whereas years one and two, he pretty much broke down, t- took apart everything that Walt Harris did. Yeah, you hear the honking. I guess people aren't going fast enough. And bumper to bumper traffic. He took everything apart and I guess wanted to put it together his way. And eventually by year three, he saw the talent was there. It was developing. It's just we didn't have a quarterback. And I think we're seeing the same predicament now. It's just, uh, well, we're just going to have to wade through this and just not really expect much. You know, if we get a bowl game, we get a bowl game. If not, we don't. But if we see some progress, you know, pro- progress made for this end of the season, then then optimism optimism is there for the future. You know, just let you know Pat Narduzzi build his um, build his program still. Let him stick to stick to the thing because, and they, you know, not in the case of James Franklin, which well, I'm gonna get to here in a bit. Actually, now I'll get to him. There was a lot of talk of him. I mean, he, um, you know, you know, Penn State wasn't seeing results in the beginning, and he stuck to he stuck to what his you know, guns were, and he kept building. And of course, he hires Joe Moorhead after you know the other coordinator was dismissed. What does uh, after that? Look what happened. They hit a big stride last year after you know, after losing Pitt, Pitt, Michigan. They hit a big stride and they won the Big Ten title and now they're in the top five. They're in the play. They're in playoff. They're in, they're in playoff talk right now. And of course, now you got Texas A&M as it supposedly report has been released and they make may make a run towards James Franklin. 
but here's the thing. If Franklin's going to go, he's going to have to have Moorhead come with him because he owes a lot of his success to Joe Moorhead and how he, how he did that offense for Franklin. He made it work. But I don't see Franklin going there because Franklin's a PA native. And of course, being a PA native, obviously the the job that you want is the Penn State job. You know, that's the uh, job, you know, you, you take, you're set for life. Being a Pennsylvania native, you know, football coach, that's the job you want. Because pretty much you get a you get a hundred thousand plus seat stadium, rabbit fan base, lots of money coming in. You get all that. You know, you know, they're you know yeah, I mean sure it's quote unquote a football culture, but a lot of these big time programs are fo- football cultures. They love their football and they're gonna put a lot of money towards it. Because, I mean, that's what brings in revenue. That's attracts students to come there. Does a lot. You know, pays a lot of bills. But, um... The only thing James Franklin would get with Texas A&M... Would be just a lot more money. That's it. He'd get more money and that's it. Because he would get all... He would get all that oil money... all the oil money, because obviously that's what pretty much Texas is, oil and gas. So all those big uh, big uh, time donors and spenders, he would get all that. he get plenty of cash, but at the end of the day, it's Texas A&M. They're, I mean, they're still the little brother to uh, Texas. Texas is still the de facto school. It doesn't matter if they play in the uh, in the SEC or not. You know, it's irrelevant at this point. Until Texas A and M makes noise, makes some noise, let alone when you know contend for that conference. It doesn't matter that they're there, that they're in a better conference. I mean, anyone could, could go join a better conference, but if you're not doing anything in it, then who cares? You know, Texas is still that school. Texas still got the money. They have their own network. And of course, pretty much the Big 12 goes through them. Despite the fact they're not, you know, winning, despite the fact they haven't really done anything in the last few years. It all goes through them. You know, everything goes through Texas. So, if they, I mean, if they leave the conference, the conference goes with them, pretty much. So, I really wouldn't see, not to mention, a guy really isn't a Texas, you know, he doesn't really have much relation to the state of Texas at all. So pretty much it would be like a Matt Rule type situation where he's got to hire a lot of Texas uh, guys with Texas contacts. Well, not a lot of them, just a few. 
they're going to have to recruit these kids. And I just don't see it working, you know, being that type of a fit for him. You know, I mean, it's a bad fit. If you think about it. But if, but if, he, but if he wants to get paid, you know, if he wants more money, by all means, go get paid. But I just don't see that happening. I think he's going to be. I think you know Penn State would probably would pony up the money to keep him, but he just signed an extension as well. So I'm sure other things will happen because Penn State, you know, they're obviously going to put more in their football programs now that Paterno's gone. You know, the old guard is gone, so now they're going to they're going to throw their money wherever they land for football. So that ends that. So I'm gonna close out this podcast. Score prediction for Pitt, NC State. You know, last you know Saturday morning I predicted a Pitt to be a ten point winner over uh, Syracuse. So that really that fell miserably for me. Syracuse wins by three. I mean, it was a winnable game. I'm sorry. It was very winnable. They could have won that game. They just uh, made too many mistakes. They didn't execute when they needed to. Play calling was uh, atrocious. So, I look at um, this game. Well, there's not much to look at it, really. Pitt's going to just lose this game for the most part. And it's probably won't be pretty either. I mean, I saw Athlon. Athlon had NC State winning by 20 points, which is which is very, very generous of them. So, and it makes sense. But I say, I say NC State by 24 points. You know. I'm looking up I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking at 31-7 for NC State winning this game. So we'll see. What happens, but any other day, hell to pit. Bye.